0: back at the beginning of 2023, uh, some of the leadership here at Rehoboth met with a man named Dan Ackerman. And Dan helped start the Alliance of Reformed Churches, of which our church is now a part of. And so one of the topics that Dan recommended that we touch on here at Rehoboth included the fruits of the Spirit. And so last month, I shared a little bit about uh, the fruit of kindness. And so today, I'd like to look at another fruit of the Spirit, and that is the fruit of peace. And so one of the questions that I kept asking myself lately is, you know, what, is, what does peace with God look like? Do we find peace with God when we're sitting beside a gentle river, kind of lost in our thoughts— Is peace best described in the great Psalm 23, where there are green pastures and quiet waters? And then, what if our life looks anything but green grass and a gentle breeze? How do we find the peace of Christ there? And the passage that we're going to focus on for today, it might look like anything but peace. Peace. but it also may give us a glimpse into what it means to find peace with God when the waves just keep coming one after another and we're just trying to keep our heads above water. So today I'd like to ask you to turn with me to Genesis 32, verses 22 to 32. And this is that passage where Jacob wrestles with God. So Genesis 32, to 32. That night, Jacob got up and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. because you have struggled with God replied, and I with humans you go, and have overcome you bless me. Jacob said, "Please tell me your the name." The man asked him, "What is but your he name?" He replied, "Why do you ask my name?" "Jacob," he answered. Then he blessed him there. Then the man said, be So name Jacob called no the place Peniel, Peniel, saying, "It is, is because I saw God face to face, with God, replied, and yet and my life was spared and have yes. overcome you bless me. The sun Jacob rose said, above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Answered, Therefore, to this day, the Israelites, the Israelites do not eat so the tendons attached to the socket. Because I saw God, the socket of, of, the hip. Because because the socket of Jacob's God hip was touched, and yet life was tendon. The sun Jake rose up, above please him please as he passed him. Passed him. Well, there's a little bit of background that I'd to like to give here before Therefore, fully diving into right this, right not, this wrestling not, match for today. To the so say say and then there's, there's a few there's things, there's things I want to share with you. So, this guy, Jacob, he has quite a background story. You could maybe say that Jacob was an operator fully diving into this tricky crooked stick. You could trust him as far as you could. To so throw him, guy, Jacob, but God, for some reason, we really can't quite quarry. make out, was, was determined to make that Jacob, something a out of Jacob, an like and he did it or in what got we got got might call the, the school of hard knocks. Crooked stick. <laughs> It, it should be noted that as then as Jacob as was trained him. in the, the art of crookedness God, for he some reason by his we really own can't mother. Rebecca was determined he make to make. He lived his wits. He lived uh, his life by his wits and, uh, and, and by it. his, and his it, cunning, by being the smartest guy in the room. And when you're the smartest guy in the room, and well, let's just say that your twin brother Esau is a little dim-witted, he uh, lived his you can scam him. Lived his life by his Many uh, years back, his uh, Rebecca helped Jacob get all gussied up like his hairy brother Esau. The and they and made the him smell room. like sheep in order he to he fool Jacob's dad into giving Esau the blessing to the wrong kid, dim-witted. to the younger. And so basically, uh, basically it just blows up the entire family. And in the end, mom loses her favorite son, Jacob, probably for the rest of her life. As she quickly sends and to live with her brother, to Laban. To the wrong and while and Jacob tends Laban's so so block, he marries both in the of Laban's daughters, and, daughters and, and then her he manages to her her swindle her his, her his, 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 his uncle out of a good portion of his wealth. And that brings us to our passage for today, where once again Jacob needs to make a run for it, and this time he's heading back in the direction of his old Laban's daughters and and then, of course, the he, he is the his uncle out of And sheet, so Jacob kind so of assumes, right, his, back his, back his, back brother, his, his brother, brother is still going to be somewhat ticked off today. with and him. But the real enemy that it. Jacob has to come face to face is actually himself. And the mess he had made by being himself so Jacob is about to serve as a mirror for his spiritual condition.
1: And this is what we can imagine
0: that Jacob saw. Jacob always pursued what Jacob wanted by depending on Jacob's wit and the mess he had made. You know, he's this self-centered, manipulative striver. And so to get what he wanted, he didn't have any qualms about lying or stealing. Now, Jacob did do religious things. He prayed and he put up altars and he offered sacrifices, but but God really wasn't the god of his life because Jacob was the god. Of Jacob's life. So Jacob wrestled. All night, he grapples with this powerful stranger, refusing to submit to his more powerful opponent. And as the hours wear on, you know, he's starting to think that maybe he's getting the upper hand here. The stranger, despite his superior strength, will have to submit to Jacob, just like everything and everyone else has always done. And when the sun's first rays start coming on the horizon, you know, the stranger says, you need to let me go. And in that moment, Jacob's heart freezes because he hears in those words this truth. You know, you've lived your life trying to make everything bend to your will and to fulfill your desires. And you've wanted to make all things and all people submit to you. And you can see now where this all leads. This is leading to catastrophe. So choose another way. Choose a better way and let go. Jacob has lied about his name in order to receive a blessing from his earthly father. But now he has to speak honestly about himself. And in that moment, he receives God's blessing. And he receives a new name. And Jacob becomes Israel, and God ultimately becomes the God of his life. Now, if you read the rest of Jacob's story, you'll see that this transformation wasn't, in fact, instantaneous, nor was it fulfilled in Jacob's lifetime. He still tells quite a few whoppers, he manipulates other people, and just like his parents, he plays favorites among his own kids. And later, Jacob, the deceiver, will be deceived by his own children— about his beloved son, Joseph. So I want to just take a pause right here. You know, the entire Bible is is the story of a covenant between God and God's people. And this man, Jacob, is an essential piece to that whole puzzle. God's plan to redeem a sinful world back to himself is through this bloodline right here. And right now, it just all looks like one big juicy soap opera. Tricky people tricking each other out of anything and everything they can. We have Jacob the trickster, the heel grasper, who's trying to scam his brother, his father with his mother. But we should note, you know, he does meet up with the master scamster, Uncle Laban, who first gives him Leah to marry when he really wanted Rachel and then makes him wait another seven years to have his true love. So the whole thing is just really all quite ridiculous. And eventually you have to kind of step back and ask yourself, does anybody tell the truth in this family? And where is God in all of this anyway? I wonder if you ask yourself the same question. Where is God in all of this? How does God fit into the equation of my life? I'd like to share with you today my own wrestling match with God story. The story of God wrestling with Jacob was the title that I gave to my first two years of seminary all out wrestling with God. I didn't fit in at seminary, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't bright enough, I struggled with imposter syndrome. It was an all out wrestling match between God and I. Two years of all out wrestling. And none of it made sense to me. Here's the crazy thing about peace with God. I often think peace with God looks more like a wrestling match than a peaceful day at the beach with one of those little umbrella drinks. A few weeks ago, Gloria Skolton got up here and she asked you to join her for a life group to pour over the television series The Chosen. And when I spoke to Gloria on the phone, you know, I asked her if she'd be willing to come up in front of church and just share a little bit about the story of how God had been using the chosen to change her life. And she hesitated, and she paused, and she asked for time to pray over it, and eventually she agreed. She did tell me that, you know, two years ago, Gloria would have never gotten up here and spoken to all of you crazy people. I'm sure our young people would have said the same thing this morning. Do I really have to get up here and share? It's really not my thing. That, my friends, is what peace with God sometimes looks like. Peace with God can be an all-out wrestling match, screaming no to God in your head because it makes no perfect sense to you, but your heart can do nothing but follow him. I don't know if you realize this, but your former pastor, Adam Grill, was a mentor for me while I was doing a preaching internship uh, with Mottersville Reformed Church, and I remember vividly him telling me, Kathy, if you can do anything else with your life besides becoming a pastor, go do it. You see, Adam knew the difficult life of being a pastor and following Jesus to obscure places. And with everything within me, I wanted to find something else to do with my life that would fill that longing, aching need within my heart to follow Jesus. My heart still wrestles with God all the time. I ask him questions like, can I be done now? (laughs) Can we please find something else to fill this longing in my heart? And yet the wrestling continues on. So why do I share all of this with you? Well, because maybe you're saying things to yourself like, you know, something must be wrong with my faith. It's just so difficult. If God loves me so much, why is life so hard? Maybe God's punishing me for something. Things really aren't going my way. God must be mad at me. Perhaps you've heard these words from other people. Perhaps you've said them to yourself outside of a hospital room or late into a sleepless night. Somewhere along the way, we have learned to associate grace with an experience of ease and faith, including a life without struggle. And so when struggle does into our life, when things don't go as planned, when belief in God doesn't magically produce the American dream— We begin to question whether or not we truly believe. And then sometimes we wonder whether or not this God is the one that we want to believe in. This encounter with the living God and Jacob, it's surely one of the strangest in the whole Bible. This is a wrestling match. What a thing. What a way to meet God. Jumped from the dead of night. Why would God do that? Maybe the best way to do it was through a wrestling match where Jacob would have to try to use his cunning skills. And only after who knows how many hours of wrestling does he realize that the best things in life don't come from self-power, but only through grace. Which is why the preacher Frederick Buechner calls this the magnificent defeat. Jacob was defeated, but magnificently so, because he learned about grace in that encounter And the best things in life will never be scammed the way he has been living his whole life. They come by grace, and that's a really incredible lesson. In the closing verse of this lesson, Jacob Jacob limps away from the sight of his transformation, and he will never be the same again. You know, every step he takes from that day forward is marked by the touch of the divine. You have to believe that deep within Jacob's heart, there was a cry and a search for the eternal. He wanted to be bound to what he knew, what was right, but his very actions alienated himself from that. There is nothing that can smother this ancient thirst that we have to find God. And at this moment, Jacob's stolen blessing from many years ago, that becomes legitimized. Jacob, though he wrestles doesn't win the blessing. He's just given it. He's given a new name, a name of honor, in which God will recognize him and accept him. And he's given the name Israel, which means God strives. And the unique message of Christianity is that God isn't this impersonal force or a terrifying presence that we just can't relate to in any way. No, God is ready and willing and eager to get down and dirty with us. I love that thought. We are the spiritual descendants of Jacob, the people who wrestle with God. God was the one who gave that name to God's people. That's who God wants us to be, those who strive after him. Of course, we know that God could squish us like a bug in a nanosecond, but for our benefit, God is always available to wrestle with us at whatever level we are capable of wrestling. God sent Jesus into the world to wrestle with us, and Jesus allowed himself to get pinned to a cross. That's what it took for us to experience the love that flows from God. You know, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go with some family members to do some hiking up in the Upper Peninsula. So we ended up hiking to the top of Sugarloaf Mountain. Uh, And then we found another hike on a poorly groomed trail that you can see here. Uh, It was to Dead River Falls is what it was called. And so along the way, we tripped over a lot of tree roots. And then we clung to a lot of those trees that were on top of those roots as we scrambled up and down the riverside. And the thing that I noticed about those roots is how thick and how deep they went. But also how when those roots encountered a rocky place, they didn't just give up and say, well, I guess we can't go any further to find water. We should just put in some shallow roots here and call it good. No, those roots plunged themselves around the rocky places until they found a way forward even when we trampled all over those roots, those trees still gave us a steady place to hold on to. And in the end, the hike was worth sitting in the mist that washed over us as we sat next to a waterfall. And I like to think, you know, our Savior does the same thing for us. He is our steady when the roads in our lives get rocky. He is the living water that we thirst for. He's our place to hold on to, even when we pounce all over him for the things that don't go right in our life. You know, there's many names that we gave today to Jacob. We called him the swindler, the scoundrel, the conniver, slick, a crooked stick. We all have names that we are called Some of us may be known by a nickname that someone gave us many years ago. This past week at Wednesday Pickleball, uh, East and Short got called names by all of us really slow adults like Brat for his quick hands and steady feet. I think we even called him Creeper because he kept creeping forward when he needed to stay back. And, And you know, those names, they were all given in good fun, and he knew that we loved him, right? But But many times, we attach names and labels to ourselves, and then we carry the pain of those names for years and years to come. And I wonder today what kind of names you struggle with that you've given yourself. Names like unloved or selfish or stubborn, self-centered, widow, divorced. You know i asked our young people here at church to tell us some of the names they think young people struggle with here's some things that they came up with they came up with words like ugly loser annoying dramatic weak dumb obnoxious pathetic stupid too loud too sensitive I asked Eideline Housel if she could help us uh, more fully understand this text and what it means to wrestle with God and her expertise as a black belt in Taekwondo. And she graciously agreed. And I want you to see what Christ did on a cross to these names that we spend a lot of time giving to ourselves. You know, Brian was a little nervous. Brian said to me, do you really think such a dainty thing can kick a board and break it? I said, I'm pretty sure she can. (laughs) I asked Eidoline to do that today because I want us to see that Christ shatters those names when we claim him as the Lord of our lives. When God sees us, all he sees is Christ and what he did on a cross. And these names that Satan tries to shame us with, God can't see these names here. You know, He tells us that as far as the East is from the West, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. You know, sometimes in life, we have to wrestle with God, to let go of the strongholds in this world that try to take us captive. And those images that we hold, they need to be shattered. Sometimes peace isn't found in ways that look like peace. But by letting out a loud roar and fighting against Satan and his tricky, conniving lies. By putting on a black belt and entering into the ring with God to wrestle with him for his blessing. And just as Christ entered a bloodied and brutal battle on a cross... We need to put on the full armor of God. Eideline, I just want to thank you for giving us that visual image of what God's done for us. Friends, this text came to us today because I kept asking myself, what does peace with God look like? And I come away from this text today saying, peace with God means intently and intensely spending time with the Savior. It means struggling against our own stubborn spirits. Sitting at the Lord's feet and wrestling with all of our own junk in the mirror and ultimately saying, you know, I'm not going to leave this chair or this bed today until my heart has a blessing from you, God, to move forward. I find it interesting that Jacob didn't run away from the wrestling match with God, but rather he stayed in it until the bitter end he received a blessing from the lord and he received a new name and it left him with a limp for the rest of his life and this message today it's a complex lesson for us a lesson for faith no matter what happens no matter how much you are hurt how much you are wrestling with god do not let him go and the blessing will come trust him in that and he will not let you go until he blesses you. Would you please pray with me? Oh God, we thank you today for all the names that we can claim because of you. God, beloved daughters and sons of the living King, what a privilege, God. And, Lord, whatever it is that we are wrestling with in our hearts today, pray that we would take it to you, Lord, that we would lay those things at your feet. Lord, sometimes we just want it to look peaceful, to walk with you. We want it to all be peace, God, and it, we know the price that your son paid on a cross. Remind us of that, Lord. But also remind us of who we are in you day in and day out. God, thank you for the blessing you are in our lives. In your most amen. holy name, amen.